This episode of TGC's Word of the Week is sponsored by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Visit our historic campus and see how we prepare ministers of the gospel for faithful service. Learn more at sbts.edu visit. Abraham, who's been promised the land, doesn't have a home. The Lord Jesus, who's been promised the world, doesn't have a home. You and I promise that uh, if we're trusting Jesus, we'll rule the world with him. I'm not truly at home here. This is TGC's Word of the Week, a sermon podcast from the Gospel Coalition. This week's sermon, Your Zip Code is Not Your Home, was preached by Simon Tompkins at St. James Audley in Staffordshire, England, on January the 20th, 2019. The text is Genesis chapter 13. Listen now to Simon Tompkins on Your Zip Code is Not Your Home. Genesis chapter 13, beginning to read at verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot, The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are, and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, 
then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents, went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's talk about homesickness. Let's talk about homesickness because um, homesickness can be very dramatic. There's kind of the acute cases of homesickness where, say, um, uh, a child's away from home for the first time and she really misses mum and dad and she's crying her eyes out because everything feels strange and different. There's that kind of homesickness. We're all familiar with that. But then there's the kind of homesickness that's more, we can kind of call it chronic. It's just there in the background the whole time to the point where we, we hardly even notice it. I, there are times when it's, uh, as adults, like maybe we're particularly aware of a homesickness. Maybe we're overseas for a while and, and everything is different and it's, and we don't quite know how things work and we miss uh, the familiarity and the, the security of being at home. Uh, but, um, there is also another kind of homesickness which is the kind of homesickness for something in the past that has been lost. I don't know if we feel that. Do you ever find your mind just wandering back and thinking, I would love to go back to the home I grew up in, maybe, even though it doesn't stand anymore. Uh, it's not standing anymore. Or, or, or our minds are going back to that time we're longing for when, when our spouse was still alive, or our parents, or our siblings, or our child, and we just long for that. See, it's very hard to, to kind of put that into words in English. Uh, there's a yearning, there's a craving, there's a longing. Uh, the closest word we have might be nostalgia. It's kind of a bit of a negative word. In German, they talk about Zainzuch, longing. Longing for that time when everything was right, when things were okay. And we kind of feel that. We can feel that even in our happiest moments, even those who've been very blessed by to, to have families and homes that are very happy, even those who've had really difficult childhoods and homes. We're kind of longing in that sense of homesickness for, for something we don't quite know what it is. And then we open the Bible and we see what the Bible says about where we've come from. And it starts to make a little bit more sense because because the Bible says we've come from a place where everything was right. The Garden of Eden, the, the, the place where we had a relationship with God, where there, we didn't know what pain and suffering and heartbreak were. And when we feel that, <coughs> that kind of longing, that Zainzucht, what are we doing? We're longing for the Garden of Eden. Those are echoes of Eden. And Genesis 13, I think, speaks powerfully into that longing for a home, that sense of, of homesickness. Um, just to recap where we've come from, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Scott and Shane have, have helped us to, to meet the hero of the Abraham story. And it's not Abraham. The hero of the Abraham story is God, who took Abraham uh, from Ur to a place called Haran, and then from Haran to, uh, the, to the land of Canaan, what we would today call the land of Israel. And he gave Abraham these incredible promises, impossible promises. 
promised him uh, that he would have a great people come from him, that he would have uh, a land and that he would live under God's blessing. All three of those are completely impossible. As we read about Abraham's situation, he was an old man. His wife wasn't much younger. And we've had our noses rubbed in the fact that she is, she's barren. She can't have kids. Month after month rolls past and Sarai is not pregnant. And it happens again and again. And maybe some of us have been through that or, or we've had loved ones who have. And, and the pain of that. And Sarai can't have kids. And at the moment, that tension is still there and it's just hanging in the story. And the same for the land. God's promised Abraham the, the land of Canaan, but the problem is someone already lives there. The Canaanites are there. And God's promised that Abraham would live under his blessing. But we've seen that sinners, people who break God's laws, who reject God, who don't trust him, can't live with him. We saw that with Adam and Eve. And Abraham, last week, well, he started great. But then he went down to Egypt and he lied. He pretended that Sarai was his sister and she ended up in Pharaoh's harem while he got filthy rich out of it. There's the whole kind of indecent proposal thing going on. How can someone like that live under God's blessing? We saw last week as Scott opened that up to us that God is the God who keeps hold of losers. He keeps hold of them, but those, that tension is still in the story. Uh, is God really going to bless Abraham? Well, let's have a look at where we start this week. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1, page 14. Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. Don't you think that was a bit of a frosty journey? You know, if you, for, for those of us who are married, who've ever had a rather awkward car ride home where our spouse is rather cross with us, I'm sure that's never happened to anyone here. Uh, just just multiply that spectacularly after you've sent your wife to Pharaoh's harem for a few months. I mean, how awkward would that be? Anyway, they come back. They came out of Egypt. Um, Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. Now, the thing to notice is Abraham is very wealthy, but he doesn't have a home. This man who has been promised an entire land doesn't have a home. That's our, our first heading this morning. Abraham doesn't have a home. If he went into court, he'd have to say, I'm of no fixed abode. Um, look at verse uh, 3. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and I, where his tent had been earlier, and where he'd first built an altar. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Abraham's building altars. It's kind of like ancient graffiti. He's kind of, this is Abraham was here. Abraham is, is building is building altars to claim the land for God, and yet he's not building a house. Verse 5, now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land couldn't support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great they weren't able to stay together. So we can picture Abraham going around Canaan thinking, well, where can I settle down? Where is going to be my home? Where can I put down some roots? Is there any obvious place to, to settle? And the answer comes back, yes, there is. Because if you've got a lot of herds and, uh, and flocks, well, you need somewhere in, in that culture that is going to be able to sustain them. And there is. But there is a problem. Uh, Abraham and Lot can't stay together. Lot is Abraham's nephew. Uh, and uh, they're very fond of each other. But verse 7, quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. 
where Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. The irony being they can live in the same land as the Canaanites and the Perizzites, but they can't live with each other. Their staff teams are, are falling out. And so Abraham makes this incredibly generous offer. Verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we're brothers. Isn't the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. It's an incredibly generous offer. Can't we imagine Lot turning around going, Uncle Abraham, are you sure about that? Are you really sure? Because if you are, well, then I'd like to go there. Have a look at verse 10. Lot looked up, literally lifted up his eyes, and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east, and the two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now, just imagine, just imagine you've never heard the name Sodom before. It's just a place name. It means absolutely nothing to you. And you look up and you see somewhere that is just beautiful. Verse 10, it's like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. It's like the garden of the Lord. It's Eden. It's paradise. Lot sees it, and he makes the obvious choice. And commentators uh, and, and preachers at this point, they kind of just get their fingers out and go, naughty lot. Naughty, naughty lot. Judging by his eyes, he just went, he, he just, uh, went straight to the place that looked really nice. And so the application, brothers and sisters, if you move house, make sure there's a good church there. They're more important than having a good school. No, that's a good application. But, but is that what? This is saying, because in the New Testament, we're told Lot was a righteous man, 2 Peter 2 verse 7. He, he, he was a righteous man whose soul was distressed by what he found when he got to Sodom, but he made the decision any of us would have taken. He's got to support his livestock and his family. Well, well he sees a place where he can settle down. He can put down roots. He, can, uh, he makes the decision we'd all have made. Uh, and uh, Abraham, who's been promised the land, has nowhere to call home. Put it like this, he's, he's almost like a refugee. He can't go back home, but he's got nowhere now to, to settle. And, and we hear people, don't we, in, in refugee camps say things like, I, I, we're just longing for a, somewhere we can call home. I wonder if that was Abraham's experience. And as he uh, was longing for a place to settle down, I take it he points us to the Lord Jesus. Who, who we read in, in uh, the New Testament, someone comes to him and says, Jesus, can I, uh, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, look, even foxes have got a hole they can go down. Uh, and even birds have nests. I don't even have that. The son of man, this is where I'm talking about himself, has nowhere to lay his head. So this man who has been promised that he will inherit the universe doesn't have anywhere to live. This man who, who turned the whole world upside down did it without owning a property. And, and we, we, we read about his life, and as a child, he was a refugee. He had to, had to flee down to Egypt. 
But actually, he was a stranger. He was a foreigner. He was a refugee far before that. See, as he left the glory of heaven, as he left his father's side, as he left his home, he came to a, a place that was deeply hostile to him. He was a refugee the moment he was born. And so as, as we read Genesis 13, we see Abraham, the man who's been promised a land, he doesn't have a home. We see the Lord Jesus, the one who's been promised the universe, didn't have a home. And if you are a Christian here this morning trusting the Lord Jesus, you see yourself too, don't you? That one of the, the phrases that gets used to describe God's people in the New Testament again and again is, is foreigners, strangers, aliens, exiles. Aliens not in the sense of little green men, but as, as people who just don't belong here anymore. And so we um, uh, read of um, Abraham and, and we, we kind of think to ourselves, am I at home here? I don't quite fit in. I, I wonder if that's been your experience as a Christian. If, if you're not sure about this, well, well, then um, try walking into the office tomorrow and saying, do you know what? I, I think salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Or I think the only right context for sex is in between marriage, lifelong marriage between a man and a woman. And then see whether you still feel like you fit in. See, see Abraham says to us, we don't fit in. Because people are, 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 are pilgrims. There's a sense in which this, this world is no longer our, our home. And, uh, and so Abraham, who's been promised the land, doesn't have a home. The Lord Jesus, who's been promised the world, doesn't have a home. You and I promise that uh, if we're trusting Jesus, we'll rule the world with him, are not truly at home here. So if that's our first heading, Abraham didn't have a home our second is the very surprising twist that God wanted Abraham to enjoy the home he didn't have yet. Abraham wanted God, sorry, God wanted Abraham to enjoy the home that he didn't have yet. So uh, have a look at verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes, that phrase again, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I'll give to you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. And what, what happens in these verses is that God makes it even harder for himself. The promise is expanded. It's not just that Abraham's going to have a few descendants. They are going to be so numerous that we've got as much chance of counting them as we do of counting the dust of the earth. And as Abraham um, uh, looks around the land, he's, he's told to take a tour. Go north, go south, go east, go west. Have a look at this land. And, and just enjoy it in anticipation. It's going to be 400 years before Abraham's descendants inherit it. As, as Abraham dies, he's going to own one field in it. When his wife Sarai dies, he doesn't have anywhere to, to bury her. And yet he's to walk around the land and just enjoy it in anticipation. In fact, he's, he's not just looking forward 400 years. He's looking forward a lot further than that. Because... Every so often we get, um, you might have 
come across people saying this on, on the radio or, or wherever, that um, in the Old Testament of the Bible, people didn't really believe in life after death. Have you heard people say things like that? It's kind of clever, the kind of thing clever scholars say. And, you know, sometimes to say something really stupid, you've got, to, you've got to be very clever to say something really stupid because the New Testament says that's rubbish. Hebrews 11, uh, that we, we read at the start, says if Abraham was only concerned about this life, he'd have gone back to Haran. That's where his family was. But he was looking forward. And these people were living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And so, so Abraham was trusting in the promises he couldn't see. That's, the, um, that's what the Bible means when it talks about living by faith, trusting in promises that we can't see. And uh, uh, he, he knew that death wasn't the end. He was longing for a country that was beyond the grave. When we talk about it, we, talk about, we tend to talk about heaven. And the problem with talking about heaven is, when, I don't know about you, when I think of heaven, I think of kind of fluffy white clouds and people dressed in nighties, strumming on harps. And I just, it just looks so boring. Who wants to go there? The Bible doesn't talk about heaven. It talks about the new heavens and the new earth. So this world, with everything that spoils it, everything that corrupts it, everything that breaks our hearts taken out, and all the wonderful, beautiful bits still here, a real place, physical place, a pokeable place, the place that we were always made to be, is going back to Eden, but even more glorious. And Abraham was trusting in those promises. And, and the irony is that Lot, when he saw this, this beautiful place, it looked so secure. Somewhere safe, somewhere he could put down roots. But we're going to see next week, Abraham had to come and rescue him when he got kidnapped from there. And we're going to see in a few weeks' time what happened when God wiped out the whole town of, of Sodom, that whole region, as it fell under God's judgment. What looked so secure turned out to be utterly vulnerable. And Abraham, who looks so vulnerable, just trusting the promises of God, is the one who is utterly secure. And uh, again, these verses point us not just to Abraham. They point us to the Lord Jesus. They're the one who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. One who the night before he died uh, said to his friends, in my father's house there are many rooms going. I, I prepare, a house, uh, prepare a place for you. Lord Jesus lived his life on earth with his, his eyes fixed on the new creation, on the glory that was to come. And uh, the question that, that I've been asking myself this week that these verses I think force us to ask is, where is your home? Where is your home? And that is a tricky question to answer because it's not the same question as where do you live? So we, we love living in Audley. Nick and I love ST7. But it's, our postcode is not our home. I, I don't know if you know, I, I went to boarding school when I was eight. Um, and that was a real privilege. Uh, but my parents were, were, were living uh, in the, the Middle East at the time. And uh, when you're eight and your parents are a couple of thousand miles away, you do a bit of thinking about home. And the 
I don't know that I could have articulated it like this at the time, but home was home was where my parents were. It wasn't wasn't to do with particularly with geography or a place. Home was wherever mum and dad were. Now home is wherever Nikki and the boys are. Home is about relationships. So if you're a Christian, where is home for you? Home is where the Lord Jesus is, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Home is the new creation where we'll see him face to face, where he'll wipe away every tear. Uh, and uh, it, it's, um, uh, I've been challenged this week just to spend more time enjoying it. Abraham was, was taken on that tour of the land to enjoy the, the land in anticipation and uh, and to enjoy this promise that no one could take away from him. We just had, as I said, the, the memorial service up at Talk. And, and on a morning like that, you're just very aware everything can be taken away, can't it? A house can be taken away. A spouse can be taken away. Uh, siblings can be taken away. Our minds can be taken away. We can, we can lose our, our ability even to think clearly. But if we're trusting in the Lord Jesus, nothing and no one can take him away from us. And the call comes to enjoy that. Uh, uh, it is a funny passage, this. It is funny because you get some passages in the Bible like this where, where you get stories where, in a sense, not much happens. Abraham's come out of Egypt and he's now back in the land, but he hasn't got a home still. There's still that sense of zenzucht, of, of longing for somewhere somewhere to settle down. And, and I take it that speaks very powerfully into our situation. As we, as we long for somewhere where we feel secure, where things are right, where, where everything is okay, if you're trusting in Jesus, these verses say, be homesick. Be homesick. Be homesick for Eden. Be homesick for the new creation. And uh, if, um, if you're longing to be back in Eden and you find it on earth, don't trust it. That was Lot's mistake. He thought he'd found Eden. And he hadn't. Don't trust it. And, and, and the call is to enjoy heaven in anticipation, and to enjoy it in the way that I enjoy tea at five minutes to five. So I, I can smell it. Nicky's got pasta or sausages or chips or whatever it is in the, in the oven, and I can, I can smell it wafting through. And, and I'm quite greedy, so, I, so I, I can, I'm, just, I'm loving it. I can smell it, and I'm thinking, I really want it. And the more I want it, the more I enjoy it, and the more I enjoy it, the more I want it. And, and can you see how that is? If, if we live life like that, longing for heaven, wanting it, enjoying it, wanting it, enjoying it, well, our experience of life will be the polar opposite of what most people have to go through. Because I, I take it we will all go through life longing. All of us will. That's just a, a given. But most people go through life longing for the things that have been lost. Isn't that right? I felt that this morning at the memorial service. The longings for the things that have been lost. What do we do as Christians? We are the people of hope who live longing for what is to come. Longing for, for the land, the, 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 the good uh, place that, that God has prepared for us. And as we take bread and wine in a moment, we're to take those as, as kind of solid tokens, 
promises of what God has promised, that, that we are heading towards a heavenly eternal banquet, a feast, where we'll be with the Lord Jesus forever. And just as I, as I close it, maybe that you're here this morning, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Now, all this talk of heaven, it sounds a bit far-fetched. Talk of heaven, it is just, well, it's just talk. And yet 2,000 years after Abraham, there lived a man who died publicly executed, who went into a tomb and who walked out again, whose body, having gone through death, was renewed and transformed and reassures us that we can trust the promises of the God we can't see. As we take bread and wine, he's offering himself to us. Those are signs, symbols of what he has done for us. And so the call comes, will you trust him? Will you trust this God? You can't see, you can only hear his words. Will you trust him to bring you through life, through death, into the wonder of coming home as his adopted children? Amen. You've been listening to TGC's Word of the Week. Check back next week for another gospel-centered sermon. We also invite you to visit the resources section of our website, thegospelcoalition.org, to find thousands of sermons to help you understand and apply God's Word.